Where's the remote? It's time for TV Topics, where those who love television discuss the series and performances that should be on your radar. Hey everyone, welcome back to the TV Topics Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Krasikowski. Along with me is my co-host, A. Freedancer. Very excited to be here, Steve. I'm glad you're here. And I, just one question, did you see the damn remote? Nope, I think you better check the potato salad. Ah, oh, not the potato salad again. Oh, it's going to be a pain to clean. Let's make some room on the TV Topics couch because today we're sharing it with a very funny and talented man. He played poker with Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He handed out detention on Who Shot Pat. He convinced the world that everybody loves Raymond. And he's currently starring on his own travel and food show, one that I truly love, Somebody Feed Phil, which has been renewed for a seventh season on Netflix. Welcome to TV Topics, the incredibly talented and very hungry Phil Rosenthal. Wow, I might be one of those things. I think you're all of them. Different eras, of, different parts of your life. Yes. <laughs> so How before we you? get into Somebody Feed Phil, we're going to start off with our TV topics questions. There's, again, no pressure, just discussing your life in TV. And we'll start with this one. What has your relationship been with TV looking back over the years? Are you a TV junkie who watches everything? Is it more selective? Do you like go-to shows? My parents used to say to me more than anything else in my life go outside because i was such a tv junkie i they said i would watch a test pattern (laughs) i loved it so much and for me you know i was small and and i would get picked on a lot so watching tv was so much safer than going outside and and i just fell in love with you know so many shows like Honeymooners reruns and then and literally anything. I would watch I would watch all the shows of the 1960s that were like Green Acres and, and uh you know I Dream of Genie and Bewitched and and then I started to really fall in love with shows like uh the Dick Van Dyke show and then all my family came on and changed everything and then all those shows that came after like mary tyler moore and bob newhart and cal burnett and and i've just been in love with it my whole life and so when it came time for me to write for tv i i just inherently knew how to do it because it was in my blood the the timing that that comedic timing i i you know i i find myself if you watch a show with other other people you share those kind of moments you don't have to say something sometimes you just start it the other person finishes it and i think yeah. that sounds like the same with your writing it's like connected to you i think so i think as long as it as, as long as it sounds believable you know there there are shows where you can only hear the writer and i always was attracted to shows where you could hear the character where the character seemed believable all my family's like a perfect example Archie's lines could only come from Archie. Mike's lines could only come from Mike. Edith's lines could only come from Edith, right? And and so it was with the Mary Tyler Moore show and the other shows that I loved, like The Odd Couple. Oscar would never say a line that Felix would say and vice versa. There are some shows where it sounds like writing. It sounds like the guy writing it instead of a believable character. To me, everybody has different tastes. But there are certain shows that that really work 
and they're nonstop jokes. But if, if you're going to live by that sword, you're going to die by that sword. But a great example of a show that had amazing jokes and was almost sketch-like, but b- because the jokes were so great, you didn't care that it wasn't 100% believable, was 30 Rock. Because they had phenomenal, great show. Uh, the Office is one of my all-time favorite shows. Uh, uh, you know, I was—I've I've been in love with so many shows. Uh, I can't even—I can't even count them all. I'm, I'm so honored to even be in the business with with these great. Do you have one primetime show that would kind of define your childhood? One like go-to? I guess the Honeymooners. Honeymooners, classic. Nothing made me laugh harder as a child, and that I still laugh at this old age at those shows. They're just so funny to me. I can see it. I mean, I I, I think that's that's the test of time and comedy. Comedy that the subject subjects can change and the times can change, but funny is funny. Yeah, you know, as long as you're not cruel, funny is funny. They were also they didn't do anything topical really. So that they the all the all the humor was based in character and relationship, which are timeless. And and by relationships, I mean like in the honeymoons, for example, a man and his wife, a man and his best friend, right? A man trying to get ahead in life when he has a terrible job. These are universal things, timeless things. Very true. On the opposite side of the spectrum, is there a show or what is the show that last made you cry? Oh, I cry all the time. I cry. I cried that there's an episode of The Honeymooners that makes me cry. I wrote about it in my book uh, where, where uh, Ed Norton is hurt at, at work. And he, they, they've just had a fight, uh, Ralph and Norton. And uh, Ralph didn't want to see him anymore. says, we're not friends anymore. And so he goes bowling with somebody else. And, and Norton goes to work instead of bowling. And Norton's very upset. But he goes to work. And then Ralph gets a message right before he's going to go bowling that Norton was hurt. And I just lost it as a child. I couldn't believe it because I loved Art Carney as Ed Norton. I couldn't believe all they all these guys did was make me laugh. And and to think that he was hurt, it got to me. Or or when something happened to, to Edith Bunker, you know? Uh, there was a famous there was a famous episode of All in the Family where you actually thought that she might get raped, Edith Bunker. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think I've ever lost it more. When she gets out of it by throwing a cake from the oven in the guy's face and escapes. I mean, the the cheer from that studio audience broke the meter. The sound meter. It went. the The sound was so huge that you heard this roar, and then go to like white noise for a second. Like it blanked out the mic in the in the studio, and then when it came back, it was just an amazing roar because you cared so much about this character, this fictional character on TV. It taught me such a great lesson. You can't have the very special episode of every episode, right? Of course. But once in a while, if you throw in a little bit of, of drama, which is the stuff of life, none of us are ha-ha funny all the time, right? 
we have real things happen to us. And when you do that in your show, if you trust the audience to go with you there, it's it's uh, so powerful and it does something else too. First of all, it 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 grounds you to the character or grounds the character and it and it and it strengthens your bond with the character. And it sets you up for the next big laugh out of contrast. Right? It sounds like you should work in writing and, and television. <laughs> well, it was it was quite the lesson. It was quite the lesson. Then I got it very young. I got it when I, you know, these these shows I'm talking about, I was watching when I was a child, literally a child. I, I remember all those. Yeah. I, I mean, we used to watch, it was at UHF. That's where you, I found those. Uh-huh. And it was like coming home from school, yeah. late afternoon, early evening, you'd have a stretch of, uh, what was it, Green Acres and, and um, Gilligan's Island, I Dream of Jeannie, um, The Jeffersons, all, you know, uh, Archie Bunker, what's it called? Yeah. All in the Family. All in the Family, and, yes. You know, it's it was a good thing. I, I, I'm i happy because I, I think I have a very good sense of humor. I, I like to laugh. And those things kind of really are some of the best uh, examples of, of comedy, I think, out there. Uh, agree. And agree. They'll be playing in 50 more years. Yeah. It, that, that episode of The Honeymooners reminds me of it. It should be called The Bowlers of Inishirin. <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right so l- let's take a break from the tv topics and, and jump into somebody feed phil sure so first of all i want to say how much i love the show Thank I, I, I i just found it by chance i was watching it i, I had my mother-in-law over I said let's put something on for the family and they're like and it's always very tricky because things are either too adult for the kids or my mother-in-law or you know, somebody just doesn't there's always somebody who doesn't who's like nah not me this one everyone loved and I, we went through, I don't know how many episodes the first night, then again, the next weekend. And then I was like, oh, we're done. And I was so worried. I'm like, when they have to renew this. And now we're on season six and seven on the way. So congratulations. Yeah. I just thank you. Thankful for it. I, I, I didn't know, but we're one of the longest running shows now in Netflix history. I didn't, you know, for me, I come from the old school. Raymond was on for nine years. I thought if it works, it keeps going, but that's not the way the world is anymore. Not only do they not keep going, sometimes they just disappear. Oh, I read that. I have shows I like that you can't even find anymore. It's crazy. Well, that that's scary. None of us want to disappear. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> keep Phil on for us, please. Right? But some of the networks are taking them off streaming. It's a crazy time right now. The landscape, it's just shifting. Hopefully in like a year or so when the writer stuff has worked out and... and uh, and everybody settles, things can go back to normal. Because I had shows I was watching with my daughter and they disappeared. We were like two episodes away from the finale. And they're like, where's the show? I'm like, search for it. Nope, gone, completely gone. So bizarre. So, yeah. Yeah. How how do you go from being a TV producer and a writer to traveling the globe eating food? Well, the, when Raymond was over, I tried to write more, but the business had changed then. And and the kind of shows that that I wanted to do, they they didn't really want, and and the kind of shows they wanted me to do, I didn't want to do, and so for years and years, you know, I tried to uh, I tried to uh, get shows sold, and I was kept striking out. So I thought, what about this dream that I've had to do a food and travel show? And it took me ten years to get the show on the air, and at first it was on PBS, and I sold the show with one line to them after 10 years i knew how to sell the show 
I said, I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain if he was afraid of everything. <laughs> and, and they gave me six on the air. And uh, and then Netflix came along. And, and uh, we changed the name from I'll Have What Phil's Having, which is the PBS one, and to, to uh, Somebody Feed Phil. Were you always a traveler? Was it, you know, yes, yes. Well, from uh, I never traveled anywhere when I was a kid. We couldn't afford it. But then I got a cheap flight to Europe when I was 23, and it changed my life. Uh, I thought, oh, this is what your extra money is for. Once you can pay rent and feed yourself, that, that, this, is, this is what you do with your extra money. To see the world, this is the, the best thing. I, I dare say that we'd all be better off if we could all experience a little bit of other people's experiences. And so that's huh? the real message of the show. It's not even about the food. I'm just using food and my stupid sense of humor to get you to travel. But you kind of tapped into what I was going to, I was going to bring that up is that, that what I love about the show is that it, it proves that food and travel and, and learning about other people uh, opens up you, opens you up for, to empathy and to understand and to, to see things from a different perspective. And so many of the world's problems would be solved if people would just get out there and travel and not go to the, you know, go to your standard uh, to go to restaurants, but go try and meet new people, learn about the food that they eat, learn about who they are, and which is what you do. And you bring that into the living room for people who aren't maybe willing to do that yet. But I'm hoping that that's uh, that's opening the doors for people to experience that or to try that on their own. It's hard to hate anyone, let alone uh, be afraid of them, even when you uh, sit down and eat with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when's the last time you had a good meal and then you and then they, you punch the guy? Never. Can't punch while you're eating. You're eating. <laughs> you have to wash your hands first. <laughs> but I always say food is the great connector and then laughs are the cement. I love that. That is awesome. So true. You know, it's like, really, we should just go around to the, go around the country, find the, the people who like are the most divided and to put up a table between them and say, no, go eat. That's you bring something, they'll bring something. Yeah. And uh, no phones, no politics, just talk. Yeah. Talk about your daily life. By the way, it's it. okay. Even You can even talk about politics. You can even do it. As long as you are sitting at a table together. You know, there was all this talk uh, by a certain fellow who wanted to build a wall, right? And I always said, instead of a wall, how about a table? That's great. This is, this is the answer. I know it's the answer. Just from experience. Have, have you had a lot of reactions to you? Have, you know, have people come up to you and, and told you their stories at all? Only every day. Do you have any you can share? You mean stories about how they watch the show? or, or... Yes, how they watch the show and how it, it, it's affected them. It's unbelievable to me how many different types of people around the world. I mean, and this is a, a testament to the reach of Netflix, right? Uh, my joke is that that to wake up at this age and suddenly find myself Harry Styles, you know, is, is kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't believe little kids, really old people, every color of person, every age, they, they, the show reflects them. That's what I love most about the show because we have every type of person in the show. I love little kids. I love old people. I love people. Most people are very, very nice. 
You wouldn't know it if you watched the news because the news specializes in showing you the out of the ordinary, which is not so nice, right? Yeah. Everything from a car crash to a riot, they want to show you, right? If I told you, did you see what happened in Israel? The Jew and the Arab, they got together and they had lunch. <laughs> that's not going to make the news. Unfortunately. But that's what happens most of the time. Otherwise, it would be nonstop fighting. But most people want to get along. Most people just want to be happy and healthy. And they want their kids to be happy and healthy. They want clean air, food, and water. You know, unless you're crazy, this is what you want out of life. That's what it should be. I don't understand how you're how that can, how you can think otherwise. I don't like it. Scares me who those people are and and what yes. drives them. Yes, yes, but we live in a world now where that's that's it's almost cultivated by the culture. I don't understand it. Uh, it scares me a little bit, but I also am optimistic because I think. So many kids understand what's right and wrong inherently, even with all the distractions that they have and the phone and God knows what else. But I think, you know, it's that inherent goodness that will save us. And hopefully they can change their parents. That's the thing. It's, people always say the reverse, but you know what? The, the innocent ones are the ones who, who see it right. So sometimes you have to listen to those who you know, have cl clear eyes, I guess. You know what? It's only happened every other time in history. So that's why I'm optimistic, right? Just when things were like we've screwed up everything, here comes the next generation with better ideas, newer ideas, out of their self-preservation, right? Very true. Very true. Just show your reach. Show your reach. I, I, I mentioned to my daughters, I'm speaking to Phil, and they knew who you were by that alone. Oh, so. that's so nice. I, my mother-in-law, she's going to freak out. I didn't. I couldn't tell her because she'd show up here and be be, be over my shoulder. She's going to love it. Tell her I said hi. I will. I will for sure. I know. I enjoyed a couple of years ago seeing you pop up on Kerber Enthusiasm, playing a sort of uh, send-up version of yourself. Um, and so I, fun. I'm sure you know. From what I can tell, you know, it seems you're a little bit more down to earth and humble about the things that you're involved in. Do you feel like you are really authentically yourself on this show? Oh, yeah, there's no acting. I really am. You know, I, I can't say that in. In uh, I'm not going to say real life because the show is real life, but in life, when I'm not on camera, of course, I'm a person. I get sad. I get annoyed. I get frustrated. I get distressed. I get, you know, worried about everything else that everybody else gets worried about. But when I'm doing the show, why shouldn't I be in a good mood? This is a very good gig. Why shouldn't I be excited when somebody's giving me the best food in the world? Yes, I'm very, very happy. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm very grateful. You guys are talking to the luckiest person you're ever going to talk to. That's how I, I really believe that. I know how lucky I am. Yeah, it's pretty wonderful. A wonderful attitude. <laughs> yeah, just... I wish this for everyone, this feeling. <laughs> I, I know. I want my show. It's, I'm talking to Netflix right now. Somebody please feed Steve. It's sounds. That's it. Sounds good. Feed Steve sounds nose. good. Sounds almost better than somebody feed Phil. <laughs> if you need a sidekick, let me know. <laughs> Do you have a location that you've discovered on the show that you would count among your favorites now? 
oh my God, I, you know, I, I'm in love with almost every place that we go because I see it in the best way possible with a lot of research behind me and, and, and open doors to almost everywhere. So again, very, very lucky. So I would go back to any of the places that we have filmed. There's one this season that I can't tell you about that's among the most beautiful places on earth. But in past seasons, I could point to, you know, Paris, Venice, uh, Copenhagen, Lisbon, uh, just just absolutely spectacular. Listen, I love Chicago and New Orleans. There's great American cities and New York and L.A. and Portland, both Maine and Oregon. These are gorgeous places that we have, right? It's all around us. Uh, Mexico, I'm in love with Mexico. I could go to Mexico all the time. And I can because it's right near me in L.A. That's great. Yeah, and you... You were in my town in Jersey City, and now I can't get reservations uh, at, at Raza. I mean, they don't even have oh. them anymore. It's all it's first come, first serve, and the line's out the door every day. So thanks for wow. nothing. But they expanded. They expanded, and you can go in off hours, I think, and that's, that's oh, really? the best time okay. to go. I, yeah. I have a tough time yeah. with children and all that, so I typically – Yeah, yeah. No, it's hard. Saturday afternoon evenings are my time, which are like, okay, you're not getting in. But. So is everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so – your parents were such a wonderful part of the series, and uh, uh, sorry about their passing. I understand that. Thank uh, you. All too well. Um, there's just something so sweet about having them on the episodes. What is it like, you know, continuing this without them? I uh, obviously it's hard to continue without them, not just in the show, but in real life. And and I thought, how do I honor their memory, and how do I? make it okay for me and the audience. And I, I thought, what if I called my friends and had them do a joke for, for them, especially my dad, who did a joke every show when my mom passed. And that was a way of keeping him, you know, engaged. And plus, by the way, very funny. He was very funny. Yeah, he was. And, and uh, you know, it means it means a lot. It keeps their memory alive. And there's a message under there, too, somewhere, I think, which is your friends do become your family. Nobody's folks last forever. And and so your your family, your wife, your children are obviously your immediate family. But then your friends are, are your family, the people that you can share events with and and triumphs and tragedies with you know that's the the definition of family isn't it the people you love and care about and care about you yeah. that's family and so i think one of the points of my show is that you have your immediate family you have, then you have your extended family and then you have the the friends that you meet along the way and that includes the whole world Right. Yeah. So what if what if more people looked at it that way? Yeah. Well, it's great that your show puts it out there because you know what? Otherwise, you have to come up with that idea on your own. You don't get to travel the world. <laughs> you don't get to meet people and have all these foods and experiences. So putting the show out there, that's why I love it. And I've interacted with you on, on you probably don't know it, but on Twitter a little bit, just great. saying how much I, I you know how much it, it means to me because of that. Because with all the negativity in the world, 
This is just someplace that you can go to and say, guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to travel a different place. I'm going to hear about different foods, but I'm also going to be surrounded, surrounded in positivity. And it's just, uh, just a wonderful thing. So thank you for that. Thank you for, for saying that. Thank you for, for, you know, all you want when you put something out there is to connect with somebody and for them to, to get what you're trying to say. So I love meeting you because you seem like a kindred spirit. Well, I didn't know we were until I, until I met someone new and I didn't get to eat the food, but got to watch you eat the foods. And, and, uh, and, yeah, and, the, yeah. and by the way, the way you in, in experience food, the way you enjoy food is also just so special. You know, you could see like when you take that first bite, you're like fireworks are going off in your head. It's like, it's, it's wonderful. It's another part of it. Thank you, my friend. I really, I really appreciate it. That's why I can't do the show because my I just I just have this kind of deadpan face. People are like, nah, I don't think he liked it. <laughs> yeah, I was I was blessed or cursed with this face. I can't play poker. <laughs> yeah, I have a good poker face, but that's about it. So let me. Uh, you just you talk a lot about family, and I think that you know uh, everybody loves Raymond is a great uh, example of that. And it's funny to hear you mention 30 Rock and The Office as some of your favorites, because I consider that like the next wave of well-written situation comedies after Everybody Loves Raymond. How do you see the show and how do you think it holds up? I think it's two decades almost now since it ended. Yeah, just about. Yeah, we went off in uh, 2005. Yeah, so coming up on two decades, yeah. How do you how do you see how do you see the show? Do you, do you do you feel like it's the kind of series that could be on again now? Do you think it would be different if it was on now, or sort of perfect as as it was? I think it hit at the right time. Uh, it was very it, you know I don't know if a show like that could even get on now. Uh, it, we had trouble getting on the year we got on because it's not sexy in any way, right? It's it's just it just happens to be. Uh, when they're good, the building blocks of television, meaning the family sitcom, right? But they're, they they don't want to put those shows on all the time. They think they're too vanilla or something. The trick is to make them not vanilla, to make them a little stracciatella, which I, I would think Raymond was, right? With the, with the big piece of chocolate chips in them, right? Goodies for everybody. Jokes that work, relationships that work. Yes, it's a it's a it's a family sitcom, but hopefully it has just enough heart and humor and smarts to to work for people. Uh, and these are when they hit, they're they they're the building blocks of of the TV of the night of television, and then the network itself itself. But they don't they just don't do them that much anymore. The next family sitcom to come along after us was five years later. Was was Modern Family? Was the next big family sitcom hit? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Absolutely. ABC had a little stretch after that. I think that started. I think that kickstarted it again. Actually, Patricia Heaton's right. show, uh, The Middle, was the fantastic. Middle. Right. But the uh, nice. You know, it took a while before there was something to watch in between. You know, the funny thing is, I might have to call this episode "My Mother-in-Law." But my mother-in-law also loves everybody. He loves Raymond. She goes, "Do you watch Raymond?" Do you? So I, 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 I'm gonna. I mean, I should have had her sitting here. She would have loved this. Well, I like to think that the the sensibility 
of of somebody feed Phil. It's the same guy. Mm-hmm. You know, my jokes are my jokes. My 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 attitude is my attitude. I love I love the the I love the uh, uh, marriage jokes. I was going to say wife jokes, uh, but yes, and I I do them, but. I am usually the butt of the jokes. The husband jokes are just as big as the wife jokes. Yeah, yeah. It's great when it becomes very personal on on, on uh, somebody feed Phil when you bring the family in and you connect it beyond just the food and the travel, but it becomes a, so personal. Well, listen, it's it's there's a touch of the sitcom in this show, right? My brother likes to put me in terrible situations where I hurt myself, <laughs> and then and, and and then I bring in my family, and then we have our real relationships and the way we talk to each other and of course my parents uh, you know i got this from doing sitcoms you get very you get you want to be as specific as you can be because the the god is in the details we all relate to each other's specifics because our lives deal in specifics so even if yours isn't mine you still relate to the specifics of mine because you have your own Wonderful. Hey, I'm going to end with the three questions or a simple question here, and then just another yeah. couple TV topics, and we'll get you out of here. So, thank you. First question or last question about about this portion is three words to describe somebody feed Phil. Those are the three words. <laughs> That's it. All right, I guess it works. <laughs> Very deep. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let I'll let you analyze it. <laughs> I will I will sit down for a while, get out, yeah. uh, talk to a, a therapist or something. Um, and then <laughs> I love your theme song. Is there a theme song that you can't fast forward when you're watching a show that you just can't fast forward? Succession. That's on my list. Why? What is it about it? Uh, it's just a, a such an evocative tune that that becomes this earworm in your head. You know, it's just it's wonderful. It gets you in the mood for that show, which I think is one of the best shows ever on television. It, it's just wonderful. Uh, uh, but I have to say, the song that I wrote with Lake Street Dive, and they, they really, they really uh, made it shine, uh, I think it's as catchy as everyone else thinks. It's a lot of fun. They, they're, they're wonderful. Lake Street Dive. And final question. If you could live in one TV show forever, popping in and out whenever you want to to see family and all that, which show would it be and why? My show. I I, I can't imagine a better show to live in than my show. You, you truly are the luckiest guy. But yeah. I, I wouldn't trade with anybody. Look what I get to do. And and for seven, seven seasons now, which is even better. You know, it's incredible. Like unbelievable. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate having you here. We love your work. Thank you. Thanks for being on TV Topics. Have a great day. I love doing it. Nice to meet you both. It's nice meeting you as well. Nice to meet you too. Take care. All right, my friends. You take care. Bye now. Thank you. Bye now. Make sure you watch Phil's show, Somebody Feed Phil, on Netflix. You can follow us both on Twitter, at Awards Radar. And Abe, can you tell us where you can be followed? Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at Movies with Abe. And you can follow me directly on Twitter and Letterboxd. And now again on Instagram at Filmsnore. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more TV Topics. TV Topics is an Awards Radar podcast produced by Stephen Prusikowski. 
zap.